This is The Gem on the Queen's Crown, a podcast talking about Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Here's the host, Lee W. Mowen. This is episode 18 on The Gem on the Queen's Crown. Available on iTunes and your favorite iOS podcast players, Google Play, TuneIn, Acast, the iHeartRadio app, Stitcher, PocketCast, StreamPod.net, CastBox, Podbean, and two new platforms this week, Anchor.fm and Spreaker. You can also pick it up on the websites, theleewmowen.com and gemcitysports.com. And don't forget, on social media, it's Gem on Queen Crown on Twitter and like the Facebook page. And this afternoon, I have Nick Poe, the proprietor of South Metro Sports. Nick, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great, Lee. It's great to see you again. And one nice thing is uh, Nick actually helped me after the end of the Dayton demolition because the Cincinnati Thunder are playing here, and I think Nick was the one to offer to help back up the first voice of the Thunder when Don Helbig couldn't make it. I would do those games. And then eventually we wound up doing Centerville High School Hockey, then Springboro High School Hockey, Tri-State Hockey, and Dayton Youth Hockey. Here, we do a lot of hockey on YouTube pages of Centerville Elks Hockey and South Metro Sports. So, Nick, I don't know if I ever thanked you proper for helping me out, but thank you. No problem, Lee. Glad to have you. Glad to be on the 18th episode, and we're talking South Metro Sports it is Miami Valley's 365-day-a-year ice rink, also a volleyball rink with three basketball courts, a performance enhancement center, lobby with a concession stand where people can watch both courts up here and stay in the nice warmth. Sometimes the fireplace is lit. This is located at 10561 Success Lane in Centerville, Ohio. A stones throw away from Austin Landing, State Route 741, Interstate 75 in Centerville, and Springboro, Ohio. So, Nick, let's talk a little bit about you. First of all, where did you come from? I'm from Boston. I moved here in 1988 and owned a few businesses. My first hockey situation here in Dayton was at Sports Plus. You know, I played hockey in Boston. My parents owned a rink, and they ran a bunch of rinks. So I was in the hockey business for quite some time as a young guy. Went off to play semi-pro baseball and after high school and kind of got out of the business because I Got tired of it. Moved here to Dayton to get started at Sports Plus in 92 for a couple, three years. I helped them out. Left the sport again to return to help out the Bombers. My goal always was to own a rink by myself without my parents. Looked at this place three or four times and finally we bought it in 2012. Been here ever since. The building has grown tremendously with hockey and everything else. Got a good plate of of sports here in the building. Like mentioned, volleyball, basketball, and hockey, of course. And futsal. I think I'm saying that right. Yep. Uh, futsal. Which, uh, what is that? It's indoor soccer on, on hardwood floor or court floor. Okay. I know the indoor soccer, it's about the same specs as an ice hockey rink, but I always wonder what futsal was yeah. and if I was saying that right. Futsal is played on a basketball court. Normally, and we normally have three games going on a Friday night from Kusa. Let's talk a little bit about you starting off with South Metro Sports and now South Metro Sports Plex. You said 2012. So I bought the business in 2012 and then I purchased the building in 14. 
And we had a plan to, you know, renovate the building, upgrade a lot of stuff. We've done that from the start of owning the building. Also, one of the key ingredients to a building is time and space. If you have time and space, you're not doing too well. And uh, we don't have any time and space, so we're doing the, the building's pretty full. So uh, we're going to make another major change here in the coming months. We're going to run our own hockey program, so that's going to be a big thing. We'll reinvent our junior program next year. We've got a pretty good men's league here. Then on the volleyball, basketball side, we got Air City Chicks and Air City Boys. They do a really nice job with Monty Moses running that side of the building. Uh, he does a really good job. All in all, we're um, pretty good there. We're looking to have a major expansion in the coming months, hopefully. Still a lot of things to do to get that sorted out. And could you go on a little bit about what that expansion might be? So the the expansion will be a full sheet of ice. Current rink is a sand-based rink, and it'll turn into a concrete base also. We'll have two concrete-based rinks and new boards, and we've insulated the current rink now, and we'll do some more renovation on the current rink we have. The new rink will be pretty much state-of-the-art. We'll recapture all the water. Any water that goes on the rink will go in the snow pit. All the heat from the rink that after the floor is frozen, it comes back to the compressor room, and it's pretty hot. So we'll recapture that heat and heat the hot water and all that stuff. So it's going to be pretty much state-of-the-art program, and it would be the only rink around just like that. That's very, very cool. And you mentioned that there's been additions since you bought the business, then took over, especially, like I mentioned, the Performance Enhancement Center. That was this fall that it just opened. Yes, uh, we opened that this fall. Jerry Geller runs that, does a really nice job with that. Any sports guys that want to come out or anybody that wants to come out and get trained by a professional, he's the guy to do it with. It's a gym back there, right? Yeah, it's a small little gym, and then he has the whole area to work with when he's doing teams and stuff. He does a really good job with a certain group of people that are using it right now, and then Air City Boys use it seven times a season, so that's a good thing there. Talking with Nick Poe, the proprietor of South Metro Sportsplex. Great to have you on the podcast. And what people might not know is you're also the assistant coach, one of two, with the Centerville Elks hockey team. How did you become involved with Centerville's hockey program? Three years ago, I was asked to help coach the team. I've coached at a pretty high level. So I, I said, yeah, I'll help you out. And so I was there with Craig for two years, and then Craig left. Now I'm here with Scott Mathis, and it's going really well. And it's a good little program we got going now, and we'll see how the season shakes out. It's a historic program, Centerville getting their program underway in 1973. A state title, a couple of Final Four appearances overall. Great history for the Elks and one of the oldest programs around the state. If I, Well, not the state, but around here, I believe. Yes, it's the oldest program around here. Then from Centerville, you'll have Beaver Creek would be the next program. And then Alter and Springboro, I think, came about the same time. And then naturally, you have Talawanda over there at, at Miami. I think they've been around quite some time, too, but not, not as long as Centerville. They get to play over Miami University's Guggen Ice Arena. That place is pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Steve Cady Center, which is a great name in hockey and a great name as an athletic director. He's a really good guy and well-deserved to name it the Cady Center. But it's a beautiful place, Miami. Division One team plays there. I think it was like five years ago, I was sitting at Harrigan's watching the championship and they missed it. Uh, one goal. 
pretty good coaching program over there and really good teams. Had a couple kids. We had one kid from Cincinnati play over there. So um, Tyler Biggs, good kid. Number one draft pick for Toronto Maple Leafs. Nice. One year. With you being the assistant coach of Centerville, you mentioned former head coach Greg Shabu and current head coach Scott Mathis. With your job, what has been some of the differences in their coaching philosophies? Scott comes from the hockey world. He played Division One hockey at Air Force Academy. He was their key player while he was there. Brings a lot to the table. He understands the game. He's a really good coach. He's a good teacher and a good mentor. And he believes in the same things I believe. We're here to create an opportunity and open as many doors as we can. So, you know, it's not always about winning and losing. It's about life lessons. And, you know, that's one of the things that he's really good about. Really good coach. Been a pleasure working with him this year. Last previous season, Scott Mathis was an assistant over at Beaver Creek. With Greg Gutterman, yes. So Scott works at the base. He's captain in the Air Force. He has a project over there. He'll be here for three years. Maybe we can convince him to stay a little bit longer. The base kind of dictates that. The Air Force dictates that. Yeah. A really good guy. Brings a lot to the, a lot of stuff to the team. And, and then, you know, he's a really good coach and everything. And, uh, and I kind of do the, uh, all the other administrative stuff. Makes it pretty pretty good situation. So, What's the three coaches' roles? You mentioned you do most of the administrative stuff. What does yeah. that entail? So I, what I do is I help with – Scott does all the scheduling and then – he and I review it, and but I take care of all the team stuff, the, uh, what the kids need, and track suits, and all the all the essentials that the team needs. And then uh, the schedule wise, Scott and I work on that together. It's a kind of a team approach. The tournament that we'll have, the MLK tournament, uh, he and I are working on that pretty pretty good together. And this coming week, we've got the uh, the Mayor's Cup. He and I worked on that and got all that put together and. I do all the kind of the, all the administration. He does all the coaching, and then I coach. I I do the defense on the bench. That's what we do. I know defenseman Corwin Merrick, who leads the team in plus minus with I think plus eight after the two two draw with Northern Kentucky. Defense has been very good for Centerville this year. Yeah, the defense is pretty good. You know, we we've got a pretty good group of guys there. The offense has been really good too. We got some good heavy hitters there. Pounding the puck, I, I think that you know the, the the team's not. We don't have any superstars. What we have is good rounded kids that want to play hockey, and and that's a that's a big thing. It kind of reminds me of what uh, head coach Trevor Karazowicz said about his Dayton Demons, especially the year they won the cup. They were very blue collar. It seems like these are very, you know, blue collar kids. Yeah, they are. Most of the kids, you know, are just your average hockey player. We've got one kid that's one or two kids that really stand out, but. All in all, we've got some really good chemistry is is what's going to make it. And, you know, Trav, you know, that's what he had. You know, he had a lot of good chemistry. He was a really good coach, and he drove drove it home. You know, Trav has been here. He's run a couple camps here, youth camps, and he delivers the right message. And I think that that's the most important thing is to win a championship or win a lot of games, you got to deliver the right message. That's what, you know, that's what he does, and that's what Scott does. And in my past, that's what I did, you know, with my two youth programs that uh, we won the national championship. So it's all about delivering the message. Here with Nick Poe talking South Metro Sportsplex, Centerville Hockey, 
Also another team calls SMS home, that'd be the Springboro Panthers. They're part of the Capital Hockey Conference, which, in case you didn't know, is all but two teams around the Columbus area. The two would be Springboro, of course, and Cincinnati Moeller. Big step up for Coach Tony Morris and his Panthers to tackle the Central Ohio teams. Yes, it was a, uh, it was a big, big step up, and I think that they've done a really good job. You're playing against guys that are pretty much on the ice 24-7 over in Columbus. They have all types of programs, and they have so many kids in their programs. So they have a lot to choose from. Here in Dayton, uh, not so much. You know, we, we have the youth programs kind of small, so there's not a lot to pick from. But it seems everybody moves to Springboro so they can play for the Panthers, and uh, the other teams kind of don't get all the good good players or don't get all the all the players that – he seems like he always has a full roster, so – he does, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, Coach Morris, he's got a very good team. They're 9-3-1 and on the season and 6-1-1 in the CHC, with their only loss being the St. Charles, who also leads their division. Yes. So that's that's a team that's going to make some noise. Yeah. You know, you get through that regular season and, and their tournament, and then it's the real playoffs, the real deal. You know, they I think they went two rounds last year. Probably could have went three, but... It's the luck of the draw, so on how you get picked. And, but yeah, he's got a good team, some really good people, and good kids. We have 12 high schools around the Cincinnati Dayton area, and that includes Troy up north. That'd be the farthest north until you get about to Finley. I mean, two teams in the Capital Hockey Conference, the West and the Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League. So it's not a bad hockey scene. There's a lot of good hockey teams, hockey kids, and hockey people with pedigrees. Yes. You know, they, there's some good teams and teams that have some really good chemistry, St. X and Elder and Alawanda. And, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of good hockey players. It's just, for some reason, uh, Dayton can't seem to get enough hockey players. But we're going to change that. We're going to start a grassroots effort here in, uh, in town and, and really push to get the hockey program going a little bit in a different direction. And, and hopefully that makes a difference if you talk a little bit about Dayton history I mean this hockey's been an important staple in Dayton history for years I know Dayton hasn't had a pro hockey team in two seasons but at the same time you see that yes the youth hockey program might be small comparing to other towns but there's still a lot of great youth teams out there and the games that I get to call on YouTube they're pretty good games yeah we, we've got some, some good teams and we've got some really good players in the younger program. You know, we've got a couple of good players coming up next year, actually four or five good players coming up next year that's going to make a big difference, you know, in the Centerville lineup. But, you know, as a freshman, that's a big step. You know, um, we've got one good player, really good player that dad's going to keep, keep him out one more year because, um, you know, he's kind of small, but a uh, really good little player. Years ago, there was 1,500-plus uh, kids in the youth program. And high schools didn't have to, you know, they had a varsity team, a JV team, and a bantam team. And that's what Centerville had. You know, Springboro had a varsity and JV team. The other problem we have is we don't have enough ice. So that's the big thing with adding a uh, sheet of ice that's going to make a, a big difference. I mean, we look at the sheets of ice available. We got South Metro, of course. There's Kettering Ice Arena with one sheet. 
Hair Arena closed. They used to have two sheets, the main sheet and then Winterland. I remember going they, to I yeah. remember going to Winterland for Wright State games. And yeah, they haven't they haven't used that that sheet of ice in a while. But I, I, losing I'm, hair was a uh, a big loss to the program here. Yes, yeah, it was. And I know Cincinnati had that gut punch too with Cincinnati Gardens. Apparently, they started you know tearing that down. They found a time capsule. Actually, today it was kind of destroyed, but they found, I forget what it was, it's on WCPO, the ABC channel in Cincinnati. They were talking about what they found in the box. Huh. I didn't hear that. Um, you know, the gardens uh, was a big place. You know, it had two sheets of ice, and it was a, um, it was a huge loss. Um, yeah, it was. You know, I, I, I'm the commissioner of the Buckeye League and the travel program around here, and the gardens was a place that uh, we housed a majority of our games. For us, that was a big loss for our, you know, travel program. So, but we have Sports Plus. They're doing a pretty good job. And Greg Martini's, you know, starting to do some work on that place. And that's going to help a lot. And then you got Northlands. And there's always talk about another rink down there, but never comes together. But uh, and then you have Springfield, single sheet of ice, about 28 miles away from here. That's the new home of Wright State Hockey. They yeah. moved there, I think, this season officially because yeah. they shared Kettering with Dayton. Yeah, I think they moved there this year, and um, not sure why they did that, but um, um, I mean, I get it. I mean, sharing you know home rink with your crosstown arch rival, the Dayton Flyers. I mean, it's hard too because when I was in college, the hockey games would be at 11 p.m. I mean, that was nice because we do a basketball game on radio, head down 675, get the Kettering, and then set up for the hockey game. That was, that was, uh, those were long nights, but those were really good nights, as, uh, this broadcaster claims. Yeah, those games were pretty late in the evening. I was going to a few too, and that was just too, too late in the evening. You know, Kentucky, their club team plays at midnight, so I guess, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can get a game here earlier in the evening and then run down to Kentucky if you want to watch another game. So, uh, <laughs> cause they, they start at midnight. So, uh, and go to two in the morning. So I just remember one Wright State Dayton game. I wasn't broadcasting, but I actually go and watch. There was 11 players in the penalty box one time, six, six flyers and five Raiders. It was, oh, that rivalry's great. Yeah. Our pro teams had that too, you know, a couple times. The Bombers, uh, I remember, uh, one year that they had to just put people off the ice because there's so many people in the box that didn't fit so uh, when you have line brawls and all that stuff in in the ECHL that you know years ago that's what happens so let's talk a little bit about your involvement with the Dayton Bombers that was the ECHL team which be double a in uh, hockey standards closest ECHL team now is the Cincinnati Cyclones Mm -hmm. and the two were rivals for a time before the Bombers uh, ended up closing shop so um, I worked with the Bombers like four or five different times. My last stint was kind of like the assistant GM and the equipment manager. I kind of did all the travel, all you know, everything that related to uh, the team, and then I did the equipment stuff. The year before that, I worked in the front office in, in sales just to help out Costa a little bit. But And then prior to that, I pretty much did sales. My buddy, Tim Riley, owned it for uh, a year and this guy from Boston. So, um, helped him out a lot. He didn't last too long. So they figured it out. So Coast is a pretty good, uh, program. You know, when Bud Ginger and Ernie Johnson owned it, they had a huge, great footprint. You know, it was a true bus league and you weren't driving to New, New Jersey or to wherever to, uh, play a hockey game. You were 
you know, no more than five hours and you could play a game. Right now, it's a beautiful footprint. Furthest team away that you're going to play is, is five hours. It's a prime, prime time to put a team in Dayton, but we need a building to do that. But I've always liked the Nutter Center myself, and I think they've got it figured out where if they could just block off the, the 72 steps from the floor to the top, maybe take out the first 30 sets of steps and do concessions down, down below, maybe could create a bowl. It's a big building. Very big building, but it's a. It could be a good hockey facility if they um, they're not opposed to putting hockey back in there. But it's got to be the right situation to make it work for pro hockey here. You have to sit for a little while and get people to want it. You got to get the word out too, right? You, you got to sell the program. You got to, but people got to get hungry for it. And until you get them hungry, you, it's not going to work. You know, when it was at Hera, they were getting uh, selling the place out. They're scalping tickets. I'll never forget that. Scalping tickets for ECHL games. Crazy, crazy. But that place was rocking. And that was, I'll tell you, uh, that was a, a place to go watch hockey. You know, we played six games at uh, Hobart. And the last year, I kind of orchestrated all those games. And the place was a sellout. It was um, it was incredible. Yeah, it's only 3,400 30, 3, uh, seats. That's a classic barn. That's a classic barn. I'll, I'll never forget when I first moved here. I went into that place. My wife had said, hey, come watch this hockey game. All my friends are going to be. She worked for Hobart. I says, all right, I'll, I'll come up there. I went up there, and I said, what is this? Chain link fence instead <laughs> of glass. I'm like, this is crazy. Somebody going to get hurt. And I think there was the Sabres playing at that point. They have a lot of tradition up there, too, and... It's well run. Ken and uh, Phil, they do a really nice job up there. And But the whole thing up there is they're focused on concerts and uh, driving it, driving the cash in that place. So, um, that so makes it's, sense. It, you know, it does. It makes a lot of sense, you know. But if you could have a hockey team up there that can pack the building, fill it, I'm sure that they would do it. they got to have some guarantees. So That was actually my first internship out of college to be with the Troy Bruins when they were in the All-American Hockey League 2.0. I didn't realize you were part of the Queen City Storm until about last year. Yeah, I owned Queen City Storm for that season. I was at Sports Plus uh, running the place again, and somebody called me and asked me, hey, would you put a team in this league? I'm like, no, I really don't want to do that. Oh, come on, we need a team. So I said, all right, I'll put a team in there. And then, um, So we put a team in there, and it was fun, but it's nothing like the coast or – what I'm used to, you know, um, it was uh, kind of like a beer league. Yeah. Wasn't, you know, that wasn't a good situation, so. Yeah. It was it was sad, too. I yeah. I, I had fun at the Bruins games. Yeah. I um, also was the assistant coach uh, for the Bruins, the team before that at Hobart with, with Shane Hickey, and I I was the assistant coach there and was owned by the same guy. We played, two, I think, two seasons, I believe. I think we played in the juniors, but, you know, that went down, too, so. Good program though. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a Barry Soskins league. So if you, anybody knows anything about Barry Soskins, and uh-huh. uh, so uh, he formed his own league to play hockey. So he owned the Dayton Demons all three seasons, and he's got Port Huron now in the FHL. Danville, of course, he still has the Dashers. Last year they won the FHL Cup over Berlin, uh, Berlin, New Hampshire, who's no longer in the league. He also owns Carolina, which would be at uh, Winston-Salem. I actually got to go on that neutral game trip with the Demons, and that, that was a nice hockey rink. Yeah, it, that's a nice place. You know, Barry seems to um, 
find his way into hockey all the time and kind of wants to control the kind of control the shows too bad what he did to Dayton uh, I, I think that that was um, a bad deal but especially with all that success the demons had the first year running away with the regular season second year you know winning the ring I wear this ring every every time you know you never know what Barry's going to do just kind of odd that he chose to go to Port Huron then and kill the team here then it's scramble mode to keep a team going so and yeah. when you're in scramble mode it's not going to work. So, Let's get back to talk about some of the great games you got to see as part of the Bombers. Because in the 90s when it was Hera and just getting into the Nutter Center, that was the heyday of the Bombers. There's got to be some games that always will stick with you no matter what. Yeah. Uh, one game that will stick with me, um, we were playing Elmira. Oh, the Jackals. We're playing the Jackals at home. And Mike Scrum... Scrawny or what? Scrawny? Oh, I forget how to say his last name. But he got he he was kept wanting to go after um, Lee, one of the Dayton players. So he was really aggravated with him, aggravated with him. And I'll never forget. Here I'm standing on the bench, and here comes Mike crashing through the the boards after Lee. And I got my first sucker punch in hockey was uh, from that guy, oh, and uh, it was kind of brutal. That was one uh, one memory. One of the biggest memories was uh, setting up a home show at Hera. It was the first year the Bombers were around. Bud Ginger walked past the booth that I was building, and I had a Bruins shirt on. His comment was, hey, you like hockey? Yeah. Oh, wrong team, he says. Oh, really? So that's all he said. And a day or so later, he comes back th- back through the, the building in the North Hall and uh, where I was building this little display. He says, so, you really like hockey? I says, yeah. Yeah, I really do. I'll be back. So, he comes back by and he says, so I hear you know a lot about hockey. Hmm. What are you talking about? I hear you've uh, run some rinks and you've been a coach and all that stuff and equipment guy. And uh, He says, how about you help us a little bit? Uh, I, I just don't have time. But he convinced me to help a little bit, and that that was my one of my big memories for the Bombers was meeting up with with Bud Ginger, just a class guy, uh, Ernie Johnson, just a class guy, both in the Hall of Fame for ECHL, just really good people. Games, the games were incredible at at uh, Hera. They were just incredible games. You know, place was packed, and kind of reminded back uh, back home. You know. Um, of hockey back home and in the barns that we had there, you know, uh, and that was definitely a hockey barn. Yeah, it was. Then, then, then we moved over to, over to uh, another center. Pretty hard to get that place rocking. It's so big, the ceiling's so high, mm-hmm. so it's really hard to get some noise going. When I was in college, my friends and I would always say that you know the another center's great, but if the roof would come down, like have it like UD Arena's roof, just imagine the atmosphere of that place. Yeah, Nutter Center is a cookie cutter building. There's about, I think there's like 12 of them in the country. This one architect built them, have everything up top and, and go down. What they always forgot is viewing. When a, when a patron is upstairs getting a drink or whatever, if they can turn around and uh, see the event, that's what you want. And, you know, uh, one thing about the bombers in, in Costa, that, that was uh, one of the things he was really 
envisioning on doing is, and I, I was pretty instrumental with trying to help the, the, the rink downtown. But, um, but the Bombers, you know, um, I went to a lot of games. It was It was a blast. But, you know, when Ernie sold it, <clears throat> Ernie and Bud sold it, it was never the same. And, you know, Costa did a heck of a job trying to make the thing work. But, you, you know, you <clears throat> you got to have a youth following also, and you can't just focus on one area of season tickets. Uh, most of the season tickets were south of town. To get people to go out there and uh, watch hockey was... Um, and it was hard for the people living around here because that's, that's quite a hike. That's, uh, you know, Turner... And eventually you get to Colonel Glenn from there, but still, that's that's a hike. Yeah, it's a hike from uh, up north, and uh, it's a hike from anywhere. You know, you know, parking was always rough, and the venue is not a hockey venue. It was hard. As someone that graduated from Wright State, yeah, that was that was built for basketball all the way, and then they took down what was Section Two Hundred. They chopped out those seats, and you can still, if you go to the fourth floor of the Nutter Center. You can still see where the original steps were in yeah. that section to cut off so that, you know, the Bombers had long right. long ice. So I do miss the Bombers there. I went to one game. It was against Cincinnati. I think the Cyclones ended up winning like 7-4. to four. And I was sitting with um, mostly Bombers fans, mostly my college friends. So eventually I tried to sit with the Cincinnati fans like, hey, yeah. what's up? You but, know, <clears throat> Cincinnati is a great program. Mm-hmm. Cyclones are a really good program owned by uh, the Needlin Group. They do a really good job. Uh, Ray Harris does a phenomenal job. Front office does a great job. And, you know, it's pretty nice when you own an EC- ECHL team and you own the venue. So makes it a little bit easier to run a program. You ever think that U.S. Bank Arena will get renovated? I would think so. You know, they're they're not afraid to to spend the money, but they do it very smart. And they're big also in in the in the events. You know, not just hockey. So they boot the hockey out when they have an event. So there's one event that they're having. I think they're going to have soon. Is they're going to wear three different jerseys for one game. They're going to yes. have uh, throwback, well, faux throwback jerseys, but. They're, they're, they look pretty cool. Yeah. They, um, so each each uh, period they'll uh, uh, change jerseys, and then they're going to auction all the jerseys off at the end of the night. So Let's jump back to South Metro Sports. There's a lot of hockey going on the next few weeks. This week is the Mayor's Cup historical tournament here at South Metro. What can you tell me about the history of the Mayor's Cup? Not much. Uh, I know that um, it was started by, I believe, Two of the early coaches, one of Centerville, one of Springboro. Don't know why they called it the Mayor's Cup. I don't have that information. but I think some of the parents of the Elks told me that the Dayton mayor was there once upon a time when it first began. I have to get the whole story from someone about that yeah. for the broadcast. But in case anyone wants to watch it, It'll be on Centerville Elks' YouTube page. We'll have all six calls for you. Uh, your son, Tyler Poe, will be joining me for a couple of those games. So, Yeah, yeah uh, Tyler um, Tyler will um, be helping out. And There's four teams, and it'll be fun. And the nice thing is they're all locos. Centerville, Beaver Creek, Alter, and Troy is probably the farthest, but right. still part right. of the local fabric of hockey. Right, and then we're off a little bit for the holiday, and... Then right back at it, up to Troy and playing the Miami Freeze, which is a Hobart tournament. Then we're back here, back in our building for, I think, a couple games, and then we go down south. And then we come back up here to play our tournament, which is MLK tournament. 
then we pretty much finish the season right here in our, in in South Metro, and so it makes it kind of easy actually for us as coaches not to be busting around in those buses. So I was going to say because last year we were going to Bowling Green, we were we were traveling. I mean, that was a lot of fun going to those college rinks. BGSU last year that was my first trip up there, and I'll never forget it. I was in their press row, and I I felt like a big shot. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, that was a that was a trip. You know, Craig always wanted to go play teams like that and go away from the building but you know any any time you can stay at home and uh get it try to get a decent crowd a big crowd it makes it better you know and this place uh south metro can can really be rocking if we get a lot of people in it you know springboro draws a huge crowd and and when Centerville plays Springboro, it's it's crazy here. That was a point that I brought up many times. I mean, the student sections were out there loud. For Centerville, it's the herd, and for Springboro, it's the Borough Blue Crew. Wow, I'm actually kind of impressed. That rolled off the tongue this time. It normally doesn't for a Springboro broadcast. But no, the support that you get for Centerville and Springboro out here is just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And parents do a great job. The kids do a great job. The players and the bystanders i guess it's hockey really hasn't died in dayton it's taken a blow from the loss of a pro team and pair arena shutting down but when people say hockey's dead that's that's not true no hockey's not dead by any means hockey needs to be nurtured be worked grassroots efforts and i think i think it'll be fine but you need it's a sport that you have to nurture and and you have to get in the grassroots to make it work. And look, right now, that's not happening. And it's like this building. You can't just build it and they'll come. It's not like a baseball field, you know. It's not Field of Dreams. No, it's not Field of Dreams. It's, uh, It'd be sweet if it was, though. Yeah. you gotta you got to work it. Like I said before, time and space. If you have time and space, you don't have anything. So we don't have time and space, so now we got to uh, make it something bigger. And hopefully we can do that. Like uh, Nick mentioned, the upcoming tournament's the Mayor's Cup Thursday. And if you'd like to come out and watch hockey, Centerville leads off with Beaver Creek at 6, then it's Troy Alter at 8. Friday and Saturday, you got 7 and 9 games. Beaver Creek and Alter first at 7 on Friday. Then it's Centerville and Troy at 9. And then to close out the tournament before Christmas Day, Saturday the 23rd, Troy versus Beaver Creek at 7, and Centerville Alter at 9. And last year's Centerville Alter battle was really good. Uh, the Elks got all five of their goals in the third period, and Alter had a one nothing lead throughout most of that contest, if I remember right. I think it was Sweeney with four of those five uh, Centerville goals. Yeah, and it was nice, and we brought home the, uh, the cup, so that was uh, that was the best thing. Hadn't had that cup in a while. More importantly for us as a team, uh, if we can bring that Swashel Cup home, that's going to be, be nice this year. And I think with the chemistry we have and the way we're playing our league play, it's a good possibility, so, um, you know, we should be pretty good. So, I mean, St. X and Elder are gunning towards the top. Did you see that Elder beat St. X pretty handedly yeah. uh, a couple weeks ago, 9-2? to two? Yeah. I mean, Coach Del Prince has a good Panther squad, and St. X, you know, they've been pretty good for a while, too, but yeah. just the way they won that game, that was... Yeah, Joe's got a, a good way to coach. He's a really classy guy, and... And, uh, you know, for Joe, I'll never forget when he first started, I was at Sports Plus and he uh, <clears throat> came to me and says, I don't know. I don't know about this, Nick. This is not good. He had a, tur- you know, it was his first year in the Swashel and got whooped up, whooped up, whooped up. And then once kids started knowing about his program and knowing 
how he coached, they started going over, and it all worked out pretty well for him. You know, last year, man, he came close to winning that championship. Yeah, he did. It, I think Elder was the team out of Southwest Ohio to make it the furthest out of the uh, state tournament. Yes, uh, they went to the third round, I believe. Good kids, really good kids. and uh, Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit more about the Mayor's Cup. The four teams I mentioned, again, the Elks, Beaver Creek, Troy, and Alter. Which team do you think has the best shot in winning the Cup? And you can be biased if you want, since I know you're the assistant coach of Centerville. Well, you know, I don't normally predict anything, so um, it's not a good question to ask me. So um, Okay, fair enough. But I think that I think it's going to be some good, good hockey. Uh, it's going to be fun. I think every team has a chance to win. You know, we'll see what happens. Springboro shootouts the first week of January, 5th, 6th, and 7th. And the Martin Luther King Showcase is January 12th, 13th, and 14th. Last year was a really good tournament. Centerville took second in the East. Very good teams that Yeah, we, we have um, we have four teams coming this year. We, we make the fifth. We've got Jackson, Elder, Troy, and I believe Beaver Creek, I think. Jackson was the team to win it last year, too. Yes. We had some other teams. We had Athens. We had other teams. But we might be able to get a, a sixth team. We're working on it now, so we'll see what happens. And last year, South Metro hosted the Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League Tournament, which is the Swashel, in case anyone doesn't know what that terminology was. Where is the tournament being held this year? Do you know? So this year, um, we'll host uh, one game here, and then the rest will be done at uh, Northlands in Cincinnati. Okay, and Northland is just right off 75, probably the coldest place on earth. It holds three Cincinnati high schools, Muller, Elder, and St. X, and also the Saberhawks, which is women's hockey down there, which That's is really correct. cool. Uh, and then the youth program plays there and uh, and what have you. Cyclones practice there a couple times too. Yep, Cyclones uh, go there. That's the, uh, When they get kicked out of their building, they have to go there and uh, practice hockey, so. To end hockey for 2017-2018, it's the Buckeye year-end tournament, and there's loads of teams that come through here. Last year, I did 22 broadcasts in three days. I, I still think my voice hasn't fully recovered from that. Yeah, we're, we're gonna have, uh, we're gonna have more games here this year, and we're doing double, double elimination, so there's gonna be a lot of games. It's, um, I think the 23rd, 24th, 25th of February. It'll be a great weekend of hockey. Teams from everywhere around is gonna be here. We'll probably host the Bantams and Peewees, part of the Peewees, most of the Bantams. And then on Sunday, we'll have five championships, five games straight straight up championship. be a good, good weekend. Also, uh, something that we haven't talked about is there's public skates here, and there's Learn to Skates and Try Hockey for Free coming up here at SMS. So if you're talking to a listener of this podcast and you're trying to make the pitch to them to come down, try skating and watching hockey here, Nick, what would you tell them? So we're full full rounded rank, you know. We like Lee said we uh, do learn to skate. That's for the for anybody. We have adults to five year olds, uh, four year olds actually, and and then we have public skate every Friday night nine thirty. During the summer we have public skate that's uh, at eight o'clock, and then Saturdays again following the about nine o'clock following the uh, any high school game, and then some Saturdays. We have it at noon, and then we uh, during the week, we have public skate at noon every day. So right now, though, 
you know, it's a it's going to be a busy season starting Friday because all the kids are out of school and the build, building will get packed. So watch the schedule. Just hop on our uh, website and you can see the schedule and understand when the public skate is. And we'll have like two or three of them a day. So. Of course, the website is smetrosports.com. Yep. Or just Google South Metro Sports. It comes right up. It's the first hit. So, Also, go ahead and bookmark the YouTube South Metro Sports page. That's where we broadcast a lot of the hockey games here. Springboro High School hockey's on there. Dayton Youth and Tri-State Youth are also on there as well. For Centerville, it's Centerville Elks Hockey on YouTube. Go ahead and subscribe to both of those. You'll get updates on when the broadcasts start and everything you get to watch the games live but they're not archived the high school games aren't archived the youth hockey games are archived on south metro sports youtube page right and again nick i want to thank you for you know helping me out in my career because i was i'll be honest i was worried after demolition closed shop i thought that was it that yeah. was the end of my career so thank you for helping me out no problem yeah we, uh, we're glad to have you here and uh look forward to a lot a lot of hockey games there's a lot of hockey in the next few months. And, Nick, lastly, I want to talk a little bit about the staff because there's a former bomber that helps you out, Colin Miller. Um, so what we have here is um, Colin Miller, uh, former bomber and American League uh, hockey player. And then we have Brian Rodolfi, again, another bomber, played a cu- couple games in the American League, played at Providence. Colin played in the OHL. So really good hockey hockey players and Colin's a coach and does a really nice job there too. So, and also uh, Kent Metcalf also helps out uh, from time to time. He has the Pond of Dreams, which is literally a pond outside that freezes, and you can learn to skate on the yep. frozen pond. Yep. Uh, Katie Heine sometimes goes over there and teaches a little bit. I know she teaches uh, Kent's uh, boys. It was freezing pretty good, and now it's uh, a little melty. But uh, Especially next, since it's supposed to be 50-some degrees yeah, next, tomorrow. <clears throat> next week, it uh, should be cold enough for the thing to freeze over and get up on that ice. And If Kent is right that it's supposed to be negative 9 at some point, I'm 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 going to flip. I, that's I, cold. That is, that's too cold. Kent, yeah. I hope you're wrong on the negative 9 thing. Nick, thanks for taking the time to talk to me on uh, my podcast. Again, thank you for everything you do for me. And it's been a real treat to talk hockey and South Metro sports with you. If you'd like more information on the complex, it's smetrosports.com. Also, their Facebook page and Twitter is at smetrosports, I believe. And, Nick, if listeners of the podcast have any questions, how can they reach you? Uh, They can call us at uh, 937-885-7590 or send us a message through Facebook or our website, we answer those right at Facebook. We'll answer immediately. But call us. Give us a call, 937-885-7590. And that will do it for episode number 18 of the Gem of the Queen's Crown. I want to thank Nick Poe for joining me this afternoon. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes and your favorite iOS podcast players, as well as Google Play, TuneIn, Acast, iHeartRadio's app, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, StreamPod.net, CastBox, Podbean, Anchor.fm, and Spreaker, the two new ones. Also on GemCitySports.com, the host, and the LeeWMallon.com. Follow along with the podcast on Twitter at GemOnQueenCrown, and like the Facebook page for goodness sake. So Centerville and Springboro fans, I know you come out to every game, and 
It's definitely shown on the broadcast. Thank you. And if you like to catch some hockey, the Elks and the Panthers are very good teams around here. Come out to South Metro Sportsplex, again located at 10561 Success Lane in Centerville, Ohio, just a couple minutes off of Austin Landing, State Route 741 and Interstate 75. That's it for Episode 18. And we'd like to wish you Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and Happy Holidays. We, by we I mean me, are planning to have an episode released Monday morning. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about the Greater Miami Valley Wrestling Association Holiday Tournament held this year at Vandalia Butler High School. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about why this podcaster is thankful for your listenership. Not sure yet on episode 19 or episode 20 for that matter because Monday would be New Year's Day next week after Christmas, I suppose. But stay tuned to the pages and you'll find out. Again, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and Happy New Year, and Happy Holidays to one and all. This is Lee W. Mallon signing off on the Gem on the Queen's Crown. Thanks for listening to the Gem on the Queen's Crown. Don't forget to like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown. Follow the podcaster, The Lee W. Mowen, on Twitter and Instagram. Also, visit www.theleewmowen.com and www.gemcitysports.com.